Damas y caballeros, bienvenidos a bordo de Taca Internacional al vuelo de la fantasía musical Rumbo Sur. Siéntanse cómodos y dispuestos a efectuar un alegre y ensoñador recorrido por los países de nuestra ruta. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard Taka International, our flight of music and fantasy southbound. Please be comfortable and ready to enjoy our special tour to all countries that we serve. Bienvenidos a El Salvador, de su música El Carbonero. Welcome to El Salvador, from its music El Carbonero. of Radio Nojadas after a long what, what's, how, what's the word? Hiatus? Hiatus? Hiatus. Hiatus. Okay, I said that wrong. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm back from my trip from El Salvador and well, my next guest, guest needs no introduction so no, I'm totally kidding. Hey Victor, how are you? Well, technically I do need an introduction because I have to introduce myself to like your, your <laughs> listeners. So. Well, welcome back. No, you're, this is your second episode with... Or I thought welcome back because I went on trip two or what? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Welcome back because uh, your the second episode of uh, my podcast was with you. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're now uh, a guest again on so, this episode. So I guess technically that makes me a recurring guest. So mm-hmm. uh, for those who don't know me, uh, my name is Victor. Uh, I am the uh, I guess creator, founder, general shit talker from the Jose Umbicho. So um, general anyway. shit talker. <laughs> anyway, so I'm saying hi to everybody. Yeah, so, um, I guess a little, maybe, warning or disclaimer, this episode will be um, a bit personal on my end because I'm sharing my experience to El Salvador. It's been 19 years since I've last gone. The last time I was there, I was four. Um, So, yeah, get ready for it. If I cry, I'm so sorry. No, no apologies for that. It's, it's part of the process, right? Yeah, so um, let's get into it. So, yes. So, I, I guess what I would... First thing I would ask is, why did it take 19 years for you to go back? So, um, I think this is a recurring story for many Central Americans or at least a lot of Salvadorians that I've met that their parents are like, you know, I haven't gone back after the war. And um, the last time my dad went, I believe, was maybe... Oh, man. I don't even remember. It's been maybe 27 years. Wow. Yeah, so... um, And the last time he went, the country was still, like, kind of, you know, just getting its getting stuff together after the war. So it was still felt, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think my dad, that hurt my dad. But also, um, I guess this is more of the personal... Because I I don't... So a lot of people don't know me too well, but I always say this, and one of the reasons why I started this was because, like, everything I do is for my dad. Um, Like, everything I accomplish and it's just to make my father proud. So um, a little insight on this... Um, there was a family tragedy as well 
on my dad's end. His older brother, my tío Omar, passed away when uh, he was 16. And he was uh, trying to rescue um, otro tío, tío político, like how we say. Because he was married by, just, just they were related by marriage. Um, but this tío was really, had a really close bond and relationship with my tío Omar and my dad. So, and mind you, my dad and my tío Omar were inseparable because they were only two years apart. So they had a really close um, relationship. Apart from being brothers, they were best friends. So, um, so he passed away trying to risk his life to save this uncle. And um, that's another reason why my dad hasn't gone back. Because uh, my tío Omar passed away in 78. And then a few years later, the war just, you know, happened. And that was just what has affected my dad so all my life I heard stories of my tío Mar I heard stories about El Salvador and um, as I said the last time I was there I was four and I, I didn't go with my dad I went with my mom um, and it was only for um, a, it wasn't even a vacation trip it was just more of like um, kind of like a family emergency my grandmother was sick so my mom was just there to take care of her and I was just stuck all day in the house so like, all I remember was, like, Los Ancudos. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I don't remember anything else just other than my tío's house in Santa Ana, and that was that was about it. Um, Can I ask you something? Um, it, so you mentioned, you know, the, the, the obviously the, the, the death of your tío Omar had this tremendous effect on your father. Yeah. So, and seems like, you know, this weight, this burden... So do you feel that that weight and burden was also transferred onto you after all these years? Oh, absolutely. I feel a big part of it is because I feel I feel my father's pain. Like, uh -huh. I always tell everybody I am my father's daughter. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, and like I said, it's just a big family tragedy. And, you know, my, my Theo Mad still lives on forever, you know, like, I even kind of feel in a way he's a part of me and like I've always kind of known him even though I've never met him but yeah absolutely that has a lot to do with it and I think another part of it was I was just terrified to feel all of that if I were to go mm -hmm. yeah so um so yeah um apart from that after I went when I was four my mother hasn't gone back I think maybe the last time she was there I was maybe seven and after that, oh no, I think I was, yeah, I think I was seven or eight, and that was the last time she went. And um, since then, nobody else in my family has visited El Salvador. The only one who did was my, is my great-grandmother, Mama Chanita, who's 97 years old. Um, and that's because uh, she's the only one who has a granddaughter over there who's my tia, my tia nena. And then um, I think another tío out there, but that's it everybody else is here so um it wasn't until this year because like i said my great grandmother's 97 and she's the only one who flies out there and she's in perfect health and condition and for her to travel like that is amazing so i don't know what it was this year that i was just like it's gonna happen like i'm going i just knew it i felt it and and i told my dad and my dad was like are you sure and I'm like, yeah, I have to go because I don't think mm -hmm. I'm ever going to have another opportunity to go. So my dad was like, okay, fine. He's like, well, then for your birthday, that's going to be my birthday gift to you. Um, he's like, I'll, I'll buy you your flight. And um, 
he was just like, I just hope you're not, you know, like halfway through the trip, you're calling me and telling me you want to come back. <laughs> and I was like, no, I've got a lot of stuff to do out there. And so the point of this whole trip was for me to go back to my roots for, and try to get to it from the very beginning or as closely as I could. Right. And to just fulfill, fulfill a lot of um, aspects in my life as now as a young adult. Um, and I did just that, you know? And um, I don't know, it was just, I, I don't know what I was expecting either. The truth, I don't think I was expecting anything at all. And I think that was the best thing I could have done and her have that mindset. Did a lot of the, for example, a lot of the stories, you know, we, we keep hearing about La Mara and how unsafe it is. How much of that crossed your mind before going over there? Oh, man, a lot. Because that's all, I mean, like, up to the point where, like, my dad was dropping me off at the airport. He was just like, mira, he's like, as soon as you get off that plane, he's like, you better watch your back. He's like, porque la gente es bien mañosa, Gloria. Like, you know, like, he was just like, you know, hide your money. Like, just telling me how to, like, how to act, you know? And, like, I was just like, whoa. So all of that, yeah, it's, like, stuck in my head because I'm just like, like, the second I walk out that door from the airport, it's like, that's it. Like, there's no going back, you know? So, um, yeah, I was scared because I don't know what I was expecting with that. Like, I, I was like, man, what if I die out there? Or, you know, <laughs> wow, yeah. no, no, I mean, I'm serious because you never know. But um, thankfully, I, I, I stood with family out there, you know, and um, my family lives in the capital city in San Salvador. So and and they know, you know, the people out there know right. what's up, what's, you know, the situation or whatever. And um, yeah, like, um, but yeah, that was definitely on my mind. And then I'm thinking about it because I'm like. Like I like I always felt so deprived of my own culture because of the fact that I never had the opportunities to visit El Salvador each time I could or as other people were able to, you mm -hmm. know. So I, yeah, like I said, I don't know what I was expecting, but that was definitely on my mind. I was like, oh no, I'm scared. Like they're gonna know I'm coming straight directly from there. Like I'm not even probably like Salvadorian to them. Like I'm just some like gringa. Yeah. <laughs> So the moment you land um, and you s step out for the first time through the airport doors, mm -hmm. what did you feel? Uh, just this huge sense of like nostalgia because the airport has not changed. <laughs> like, sorry, I don't mean to like laugh in that sense, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because it, it just brought back that memory of me when I was four, and like I remember it was when I, as soon as I walked out those like like those doors um i look outside and i see the huge group of people like a family waiting to pick up whoever there is like like on their way mm -hmm. and like i just remember all i thought about was like oh my god i was like i remember this clearly and um and then for some reason pollo campero came to my head i was, I was probably really hungry i was like the first <laughs> i was the first flight that landed there i got there like at 5 40 in the morning but um Yeah, I, but then I felt like I was home, almost. That's what, did, what did the air smell like? Different, but clean. And it was so green, even as soon as I stepped, all I saw was just, like, greenery around me, and I was just like, oh, man. I just felt like I was, in a way, just in 
paradise almost. And I know that sounds kind of, I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to be unapologetically here because right. this is what I felt, mm -hmm. you know, but yeah, the air felt so different. It was, um, much different than the smog that we like smell here in LA. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, as soon as I got there, I was like, I'm, I'm home or I felt like a part of me has always been there, you know? Um, yeah, and then luckily my par my my parents, sorry, my my mi tía y mi primo and mi mamá Chanita, like they pulled up and they were like, hey, like we're here, you know. So, and that was family. So mi mamá Chanita was um, obviously the only family member I actually knew knew, of course, mm -hmm. because mi tía Nena and then my cousins, like me, my cousin Kike, um, I never had never met them in my life before, but instantly it was just a. a an instant connection with them. I already felt like I had known them all my life. Right. Yeah. So and that was great. And I, I stood in, in the Capitol and that was my first time ever because um, all I knew when the last time I was there was Santa Ana. And it was just all I knew was my tío's, my, my tío's house. And that was about it. And the cathedral. So uh, the most important question to ask, how was the food? <laughs> Come on. The best, clearly. Um, oh, man. I think the most life-changing. I tried pupusas de, de arroz. Um, but, I mean, sorry, sorry. Pupusas de ajo. And they were what? just... Yeah, I know. They were just regular pupusas de queso, pero con ajo. Con ajo, wow. But they were life-changing, Victor. Like, I, that was all I ate. When, like, if we were to go get pupusas... I'd just be like, Conajo, por favor. Like, that's it. That's all I want. That's and wow. they were just so good. And we went to Olocuilta. Olocuilta. Yeah. Um, like, because it's, like, close to um, the airport. Because when you're driving there, right. you, like, like that's one of, like, the first little, like, I don't know if it's a town. Is it? I think it might be a little town, yeah. Yeah, so right there. And it's crazy because, like, as soon as you get there, it's, like, pupuseria this, pupuseria that. Like, all next to each other. So, like, there's, like, a variety. So, um, and I had asked my cousin Kike, and I was just like, is, are these pupusas good, you know? Because I'm like, I don't know. And then he was just like, honestly, he's like, my mom chose this place. He's like, so we're just going to have to base it off, like, her decision or her judgment. <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool. So, um, yeah, because I had got my, I had ordered the regular pupusas de frijol y queso, which, are, which is my usual go-to. Right. And then my, my tia was eating, like, me, like, me dio el olor de ajo, and I was just like, that smells really good. And I was like, what is that? And she's like, oh, it's, it's una pupusa de ajo. So I was just like, okay. And I was just like, I didn't know they had that. And I was just like, all right. So I tried it, and I was like, I never went back. I was like, in terms of like, like every single time we went to get pupusas, that's all I ate, pupusas de ajo. Yeah, so, so yeah, I went to a Luquita, and that was really cool. Because apparently that's like um, pretty like known town for pupusas. Mm. Or so I've heard, like, I've had someone ask me that on the Instagram stories, and, like, a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people mention about it, but um, they were good. They were great. How different is, like, the curtido and the salsa tomate? You know what? I would, <laughs> you're going to make fun of me because of this. You didn't eat it, did you? I didn't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> I was really scared. Like, that was actually my biggest fear was that, like, excuse the term of expression, but cagazón, like. <laughs> or the churria, right? Or churria or Curso, whatever, Curutaca. like, I, I, no quería, like, I didn't, ni quería echar el buitre, like, I was, because I'm, like, I'm, I have a phobia of vomiting, ah. so I was, like, avoiding everything, I even brought my own Pepto-Bismol and, like, everything I could, <laughs> but, um, 
but even here, I don't really eat. I just eat it con salsa, pero, like, I skip the curtido. Yeah. But I did eat them with my hands, so that's a given, you know, like. So it evens out. You know, so your, it evens out. Your betrayal of the, the homeland, right? Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, I made a tropical de uva, which was so good, because I had not, I had never had that. I never had tropical. I've only had cola champagne. Um, so that was also great. Um, I don't know. It was just amazing. Like, I just felt like I was right at home. And I think that was the biggest shock for me. Like, I felt like I fit in. And it could just be because maybe because the capital city has changed a lot right. from what I've been told. And, you know, in the capital, there's a lot more stuff, more resources or things going on. So it's like it's a different lifestyle compared to si va a un canton, you know, or no sé. But um, and it's even different from Santa Ana because Santa Ana is technically the third biggest city, I believe. Mm-hmm. And like and Santa Ana, like when I got there, like it was like it felt like a city, but also very like still kind of like a hometown type of feel. You get me? So um, as opposed to San Salvador, like every time we were driving at night, I was like, I could get lost here. And like I, right. I still wouldn't get used to it. And I was there for like, yeah, 12 days, almost two weeks. How many different places did you visit in those uh, almost two weeks? So I went to I went to San Vicente, y pasé por Cabañas, um, yeah. Ilo Vasco, um, Santo Domingo, San Sebastián. I believe is San Vicente considered central or is it Oriente? I'd have to look at a map because oh, I'm, I'm betraying my own sense of the Salvadoran geography here. So I'm gonna have to. Today's <laughs> so all same. I mean, I'm gonna have to like consult the Google here because. Uh, oh, oh let's see. I think it, is, it probably is. It might be central, or I think it is a part of Oriente already. San Vicente, donde va toda la gente. Hold on, let's look at the Coluca. We'll try to find here. Well, you keep talking, I'll find it. Yeah, well, so I went to Iloajo, um, La Libertad, Santa Tecla, and um, which is really cool. And then, of course, Santa Ana. But I'll tell you guys about Santa Ana in a bit because that was the most... Slightly central. Still central. Still central, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways. Um, so, but no, I don't know any other... I don't know Oriente. Like, I don't know. Is San Miguel Oriente? San Miguel is yeah, totally Oriente. Si, I don't know Oriente at all. I just know Central y Occidente. Um, From what I understand, uh, El Oriente is like an entirely different world. That's what I hear, too. So... For next time. For next time, for sure. We'll see. Um, so, yeah, so I did get to know other parts of El Salvador. I went to La Libertad, Fui al Tunco, um, which is not a beach to swim at. Like, why? Por las piedras. Like, they're huge. <laughs> like, my feet hurt. And, like, it's re- it's been, it's become really um, Americanized or very, just a tourist spot. Like, a, it's like a tourist hotspot. Like, all you see is, like, white people surfing Surfing, so it's known as a surf beach yeah because like those waves will literally if you don't know how to swim please don't don't go to el tunco because you will you will drown um but the water was amazing the water was so warm and just and i we me and my cousin like we woke up at like at four in the morning to watch the sunrise so we drove out there and that was beautiful and i think we were in the water by like 5 46 in the morning yeah that was that was awesome what color was the sand it was dark. It was black. Because I, I believe it's like... It's volcanic. Yes. Yeah. So that's why that's also there's like a lot of like 
big, huge-ass rocks. They hurt. So if you're going to walk over those rocks, wear some sneakers. Like, don't go in sandals because you will, yeah, you'll hurt yourself. But anyway, so that's kind of more of, like, the, the more fun stuff that I did, which was, um, which was awesome. You know, like, if we had a mercado, like... You know, like, I did my, my, you know, and, like, I just, I got, like, that experience, and, um, I did a lot of really just awesome things, like, that I'm just so grateful, and just sights to see, you know, um, I would definitely recommend going to El Boqueron, um, that was probably one of my favorites, um, and that's in, I believe in Santa Tecla, um, so if you go to El Boqueron, it's that volcano, and when you drive up there, it's just so beautiful and it's just full of green. And we went to this restaurant called Las Brumas. And it's so cool because you get the view of the city. So you're like mm-hmm. kind of at the edge. Um, and you're outside and you have this view of just greenery around you. And on the in the, in the background, you just see the city lights. And then out of nowhere, so it was me and my cousin, my cousin's girlfriend, and we're like, you know, we're drinking cafecito. And out of nowhere, I viene el ver, you know? (laughs) And if you know that reference, you know, fucking like, grandma meazo de agua that just hit una gran tormenta. And it was just, it was so cool. And like, it's funny because my my great grandma had called my cousin Kikin, and he was just like, is Gloria scared? And then he was like, no, la gloria me encantada, and, uh, you know, because I love rain. Yeah. So it was just, it was beautiful, like, just seeing that. Like, I'm like, I'm looking over the city, and I'm in this really cool restaurant, and it's it's so rustic and beautiful. And and the lights went off, so, like, that made it even better. Because, <laughs> like, I'm sitting there, and they have, I have, like, a candle in front of me, and I'm drinking coffee, and, like, it's so fresh up there, too. Like, because of the elevation, and, right. like, it's just so, it was so nice. And it was hot in El Salvador. But you know what? I feel it's a different type of heat than it is here. Like, I feel like I'm miserable here as opposed to over there. I was, like, able to, like, handle it. Because of the humidity or? Yeah. Like, mm. over there, it was, like, different. Like, it's hot, but it's not, like, I feel like it's hotter here. But that's probably because it's, like, a desert heat here. Yeah, but, it's very dry. Yeah. yeah, so. But, um, yeah, like, um, that was such an, that was a great um, moment for me because I was talking to my cousin and his girlfriend and I was opening up to her like how I am right now on this episode and I was telling her why I'm here you know and my whole purpose as I said was not only to just go back to my roots but to find more information about my family so um, going into that um, a month prior to me leaving to El Salvador um, I went to my dad's man cave, which is the garage where he has, like, his records, his TV, and, like, you know, on the weekends when he's just relaxing, just chilling to himself, he'll either play his records or he'll be, like, on YouTube on his phone watching, like, old YouTube videos of, like, El Faz, or, yeah. you know, like, just just any soccer, like, he'll be watching, like, Cienfuegos, or, you know, Un Partido del Magico Gonzalez, you know, so, um, I remember it was, like, a Saturday night, um, and... I remember this night specifically because, like, you know how you just kind of get those feelings? Just, like, a specific feeling, and I just was like, I'm going to go outside. I'm just going to go spend time with my dad. Right. So, um, uh, I was talking to him, and um, I can tell he was already emotional. 
and um, it could have been it could have been because he was listening to like the Bee Gees or like love songs or something. But um, he was telling me he was, and I was just because I looked I was looking at him and he was looking at his phone and I was like, oh, I'm like, what did you find? Like, what are you looking at now? You know? And he was like, oh, you know, I'm watching videos of um, the YouTube channel of La, like they have La Prensa Gráfica on YouTube. And um, so for those who don't know, La Prensa Gráfica is one of, like, the main newspapers mm -hmm. um, in El Salvador, sino El Diario de Hoy. So I was like, La Prensa, and I was just like, why are you, like, why are you looking at that? Like, what are you looking for, you know? And he's like, oh, he's like, well, earlier I just saw the article that came, that they published of, um, of your tío Mar. And I was like, what? And, like, for a moment I was just like, what the heck? I was like, like... Mind you, it was a huge family tragedy of what happened to right. my Omar. But for it to be on the newspapers, like, that's where I was just like, whoa, I'm like, is that true? So I did everything I could while I was here to look it up on the internet. Like, I looked it up on the website. I looked it up. I Googled it. Like, every type search engine and nothing came up. So mm -hmm. I was just like, maybe my dad was like, I don't know if he was like tripping out or like, and I didn't want to like, you know, like think that way. But I was just like. He didn't just say that to say that, you know, yeah. like he probably did have a copy of it. So, um, that was when I decided I was like, okay, when I'm over there, I need to find that copy of that newspaper article. Yeah. So, um, so I did. And, um, but prior to me finding it, um, I went to Santa Ana for the first day and um, I think that's it's when it hit me the most porque Santana is where my family is from, you know, and like that's all I know about El Salvador is all the stories of my like la infancia de mi papá in Santana, you know, and um, he's from that the, the city. So um, it was just amazing. Like when I got there, like um, I told you this, or I think I recorded a video on my personal Instagram. Where like I'm, I'm walking and um, no 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 I'm sorry my cousin drove us there right and then when we're driving we pass by El Carmen which is one of the churches there mm -hmm. and my dad lives like my dad's house lived like was like a block away from there right so we pass by his house and I take my picture in front of it and then we get to El Parque Libertad. That's where the National Theater is at, El Catedral, and that's where, I believe, El Alcaldía? Alcaldía, yeah. Yeah, it was there. So as soon as I'm like, we parked my uh, my cousin's car and we got out, um, I see this like huge, huge, huge like speakers, like two, like you know those big, large like boombox speakers like you see at like, D like DJ sets or like yeah. huge parties? Um, they were on top of this guy's car <laughs> and like his windows are like, he has like a small little like Toyota, like nineties Toyota Corolla, like white. And then they're on top of his car and he has his windows down. And then out of nowhere, I just hear, this is all I hear. Santana. <laughs> and it was crazy. Cause like, I'm like. I'm listening to it, and then my cousin looks at me, and he, like, we both looked at each other, like, we were laughing because I was just talking about that song, because we were driving over there, and I was, like, and I was singing it in the car, I was, like, you know, like, I was just really happy, so when I heard that, and I see this, like, un viejo loco, you know, just, like, 
uh, manejando and like with those huge like just picture huge black speakers like on top of like this car and it's a really small car and like you just hear that song and then um, me and my cousin were just kind of laughing at each other and then um, I start laughing but to me I was just like I felt like it was I don't know if it was like the universe or just like the city kind of just welcoming me in and I was just like that was a very special moment for me and like I will never forget that and that was the start of how the start of just it was the beginning of everything I felt from that point on and more because um I was just like we were we were there just doing some like a little like umandado but then also I was like well I'm here I came to see my dad's house and then to see his friends that were still living there and yeah. then to finally visit la, la tumba de mi tío Mar. Mm-hmm. um and I, I just I mind you my great-grandmother was there with me so what I found out was that it's it's been very difficult for her since the passing of my Theomar for her to visit cemeteries. Can you tell us like how long ago was it that it, his passing? Like what year was it when this it was happened? It was 1978. 1978, okay. Yeah. So um, it was just, um, I, I, I didn't know. I thought every year my great-grandma was visiting his grave you know but I guess it's just been really hard on her because so mind you a little back history so my great-grandmother has five daughters one of them is my grandmother who is the mother of mi tío Omar, my dad, my tía Susi, and mi tío Juan Carlos so my grandma and my grandpa were the first to migrate here to the U.S. and mm-hmm. they left in 1970 and that was the last time my grandparents saw their son mi tío Omar, until um in 78 where he when he passed away so um so they were left to my great-grandma which is their grandmother you know so she's been taking care of she's taking care of she took that responsibility you know um and like I said you know like I thought all this time like she was you know visiting him and but I it was just you know it turns out that she it's too difficult for her. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know this. And then, <clears throat> so we did what we had to do in Santa Ana. You know, I went to the cathedral and everything. I saw my dad's house. And then um, we drove off. And then I realized where I was like, we were at a cemetery. And I was like, oh, my God, we're here. Mm-hmm. And um, it was so surreal because, oh, man, this is where... Like, it gets to me, because this is where I felt everything all at once. Um, So we drove up to the cemetery, and it's not a huge cemetery, but I imagine it's changed a lot and has grown since 1978, Mm -hmm. right? So, my great-grandmother was in the car, and she was saying, she's like, I'm going to stay in here. She's like, because... um, you know, that was just her decision. And I go, oh, that's fine. You know, I'm like, I'll go look for it. So my tia Nena was helping me. And she was going based off what she remembered it when during the funeral, you know. And um, and mind you, like, I couldn't call. I could only accept incoming calls. So the good thing was, though, I could, was able to send, like, I was able to send text messages. So, like, 
I was looking, we were looking for it everywhere and I was about to give up because my, my tia was just like, I remember it, it was right here, you know? And then there was like the men working there and then one of them was in those little, um, what do you call them? The little bikes, but they're like little motorcycles, moto... <sighs> like the scooter or like... Yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't know how they call it. I don't know how you call them in Spanish. Anyways, point like, is... Like a Vespa? It wasn't a Vespa. Oh, okay. No, like, like the ones in El Salvador, like it looks like a bike, but it's like a little like... You can turn it on and it's like... Okay, yeah. Motociclo? No, that's the taxis. No, motocicletas are just like... Motocicleta. Uh, well, I guess it's for even the little ones, that's what they're called. But there's a specific name that I can't remember right now. Right. Well, anyways, Go on. so... Sorry. No, 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 it's fine. So there was, like, the men that were working there, and then they were like, what... They were like, what's his name? What's the date? And, like, just give us that, and we'll do our best to, like, find the information. Because mm -hmm. apparently, like, the main little office there was closed, or, like, they were out on lunch or something. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm like, so... And then they were asking me, they were just like, do you know if it was a tombstone or do you know if it was paid off? And then I was like, why? You know, I'm, I was hysterical at this point because I'm already crying because I can't find it. And then I'm like, and I was like, why? I'm like, is, is that important? Like, and then they were like, well, yeah, because a lot of the times in these cemeteries, like if it's not paid off, they usually move them. Yeah. So I'm like holy shit, I was like, don't tell me all this time. I'm like, you guys, they probably had moved it, right? So I'm sorry, I'm, I'm venting now, but okay. like, I'm, you know. So I was, like I said, I was hysterical. So I'm crying and I'm like, oh my God. And my aunt's helping me with, you know, the other workers there. And then the el señor con el motocicleta, whatever, like, he was just like, okay, he's like, give me this information. And then I told him that he's buried next to el, um, el tío Alberto, who's the one he, my my uncle tried to rescue. Yeah. So, um, and I'll get into how, what happened. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so then I texted my dad because I was now like, I'm, I'm, I was desperate and I was just like, please call me. And then like when he did, oh my God, sorry. Whew. That's okay. Take a breath. I know. It's just, um, I just let it all out and like I was just like like the how I'm talking right now like I had to stop myself like and take deep breaths and my dad's like what happened and I was just like I'm like I'm here at the cemetery and I'm like I need your help and he's like okay he's like what happened and I'm, he's like I'm busy right now he's like but I was just like listen I'm like I'm here I'm like just direct me to where it's at because I'm going crazy looking for it and my dad's like decile a mi abuela que esta and like and the men were there because they were listening and I was just like, decile que está en la, en la mano derecha donde están las espinas, and like in la primer, um, and like the first aisle or something like that. And I was like, okay. So we go over there and we still didn't find it. And this is when I realized, I'm like, okay, the cemetery has definitely grown because um, it, it wasn't there. So finally, I see, I hear the man like honking in this little, like that little motorcycle he was on. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I found it. I know where it's at. So I was like, oh my gosh, thank God. So then we get there and the first thing I see, and it's under this huge, it's this beautiful tree. Um, and there was a lot of shade. And the first thing I see is La Tumba de, de Alberto. And um, I was like, okay, I'm like, his is here. And I'm looking everywhere and I'm like, where's my Tio Mars? I, you couldn't see it in plain sight. Like, right. you could not see it. Even close up, you couldn't see it. So they were like, they were like, oh, crap. Well, like, his is here. So they were like, they were about to go back. And they were like, let me see if I can find it. And I was just, and then, like, the other man was just like, wait, wait, wait. They're buried next to each other, and then it has to be here. So where there was, like, these 
weeds like mounted over like it, I mean it was just like weeds and just like all this like these plants like literally over the whole tomb and like the tomb isn't like small you yeah. know so it was like you couldn't see it and then finally like when they like pulled the weeds apart that's when I like I saw his name mm-hmm. and I was like oh my gosh so then I turned around and um, I saw my my cousin Kika in the car and then he was driving up to it and um, and then he pulled up and um, and then they asked they the, the workers there that they, they had asked me they were like do you want us to clean it for you and I go yes like I need to see it so they cleaned it for me they cleaned the you know like the little book that it had where like the you know how the little message for them yes so they cleaned that and like um, I opened the car door for my my great grandmother and um, and I asked her I was like do you want to stay here or do you want to stay outside or do you want to step outside for some some air and she didn't say anything and I just saw her face mind you my great grandmother is like the strongest woman I know like total matriarch you know it's mm-hmm. so typical in Salvadorian families mm-hmm. and um, I've never seen her cry in my life before and like all my life like at all until last year when my grandmother passed away her daughter um, and that was the first time I ever saw her like I've seen her cry and then I saw her face again and when I had asked her and like and I I looked over at my cousin Kike who was still in the car and I go stay in here with her because I don't think she can handle it so she opened the car more and she goes no she goes I'm gonna she's like I'm, I'm gonna step outside she's like pero no voy a usar el bastón dice because she uses a cane now <laughs> to walk um, but sometimes she doesn't use it. When she feels strong, she's just like, I don't need it. Yeah. So when she said that, I was like, oh my God. Like, that lifted me up a little bit, you know? So she stepped out of the car, and then I saw her tears falling. And that's when it hit me. And, um... Oh, man. It's okay. And, like, I told her, I was, like, she... I just heard her say, oh, thank God, I'm so sorry. No, don't apologize. Um... She was just like, I like, pobrecito mi hijo. Mm-hmm. And I just like felt her pain because like I can only imagine like what she felt, you know, at that time. Like she's just like, you know, my daughter left her kids to me and, mm-hmm. you know, the eldest one, you know, passed away at 16, like trying to rescue my other daughter's husband. So, you know, and like when she said that, oh my God. Like, I, I hugged her, you know, mm-hmm. and, sorry. No, it's okay. mm. I just, I, I hate crying, you know, and, um, and I hugged her y le dije, perdón, mamá chanita, pero, you know, like, I had to do this, and, um, <sighs> sorry, let me drink some water. <laughs> um, hmm. Um, and I told her, I was like, I'm so sorry, you know, that, like, I dragged you out here, you know, but I told her, I'm like, this is something I've always wanted to do. And, um, oh, man. It was just hard. And, like, I tried thinking about it, and I'm like, why, you know, like, um, 
sorry. I'm trying to get it all together, so. And I think about it, and I'm like, I think it's because I have, oh, man, sorry, this is terrible. I'm like, I'm so sorry for, like, if whoever's listening, trying to get through this episode, like, I'm telling you, like, I, I gave that disclaimer because. I mean, think of it like this. It's like the process for you is is virtually the same process for all of us. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be my turn someday when I have to go back. But for mm-hmm. everybody who goes back over there, yeah. it's like you're not just processing whatever you're carrying. You have to, you're processing but my family your family. Exactly. So, and I think a big part of it is because, you know, like I said earlier, you know, I am my father's daughter, mm-hmm. you know, and him and I have gone through a lot. And yeah, like I feel like I just felt his pain. Mm-hmm. And it, it, as soon as we, my mom, you know, we were, we were done crying and like we were, um, because she was like I'm she's like she was so appalled over the fact that it was just mounted over with weeds and she was just like she's like I send money every year for them to clean and she was yelling at the men you know and like I have a picture of her too when like I caught her like talking to them I'll show it to you and like she was just like I send money every year so you guys can clean it like who's responsible for this you know and obviously it wasn't their fault but you know Something happened there, but um, mm. beware the wrath of the older generation. Yes, they will burn you alive. Yeah, and <laughs> just beware the wrath of Salvadorian women because we're some strong, strong women. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah, but um, as as she's talking to them, my dad calls me. Yeah, and that is when it hit me again, and he was like, "Hey." And he was like, did you find it? And I go, and I was catching my breath, like how I was doing a few seconds ago. And I started crying again. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm here. And um, and I told him, I was like, it's, I'm like, dad, it was so dirty. Like, I, I paid for them to clean it, you know, like, it was just so, it was sad to see it, you know. And, um, and then I just started crying even more. And then he was just like, I, uh, he was just like, <clears throat> he's like you're gonna make me cry and I was like I'm sorry you know like I just like I had to do this mm-hmm. you know like I always felt that and um and he was like see he's like this is why I don't go back anymore mm-hmm. and I was like yeah I'm like I know and um mm. but anyways I just told him I'm like you know well we're here we're figuring out like um um, how to continue keeping it <laughs> clean for, you know, as long as we can. And we're trying to fix, like, the information and everything just so things are good and now they're in our hands, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that was um, just something I never thought I was going to be able to do in my life. Um, and I was there. And I don't know, it was just so crazy. Um, Because of what you said, you know, like, I'm carrying, you know, the pain and the trauma and, like, the stories of, like, my family, you know. And I'm sure everyone is, you know. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's why it just makes me, like, it just keeps me going to, like, continue doing this, you know. And... You know, like, uh, that's why I created this platform, because 
you know, I know this is personal and, um, but I still feel like we deserve to be heard. Like mm -hmm. our stories are so important mm -hmm. and they're these amazing stories that are like swept under the rug or not even considered like listening to. So, you know, it's just, yeah, I, I this is why I'm doing this and everything, you know. I mean, in essence, like it, it, a lot of, we tell our stories, not just mm -hmm. for ourselves, right? But also right. because to let others know that they're not alone in their pain yeah. and in their journey. Right. You know, especially for our folks who are people who kind of like, you know, like you said, have been sort of marginalized and been disappeared, <laughs> both have disappeared and have been disappeared, right? Right, right. Um, and so like it's, it, it's like I said, it, it, this is, I mean, um, this is your opportunity to tell your story, Gloria, right? It's like, it's, yeah. it's, it's your space and it belongs to you and right. it's your journey, right? And mm -hmm. this is something you're sharing with your listeners now, which is equally, your story is as equally important as everybody else's. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I guess going into a little background of the story of my, my Theo so after I went to the cemetery, um, I think I had like a free day and um, I was with my tia Nena and we went to La Biblioteca Nacional mm -hmm. in San Salvador. And she was like, she was telling me, she's like, I remember my mom had a copy of that newspaper. So she's mm -hmm. like, but I'm pretty sure the library should have it. Right. So I'm just gonna show you like my storage is really bad because like I have a lot, but I'll show you what I found. And it's crazy because I remember like just a month ago when I asked my dad, I was like, what's the name of the article? And he said, oh, he's like, I don't know. It's something like Medico y Estudiante Perecen Ahogados. And I looked for that everywhere. And then when we finally got, because we were at like the bottom of the, the library because that's where they have all the newspapers, I found it. And exactly how my dad said, and like, here, I'm showing this to you, but that's in La Prensa Grafica. And it was uh, during the same time that, I think it was, what Pope was it that? Pope, uh, pope John Paul the first. Yes, that passed away. And my dad says he remembers that clearly because when that happened, he just felt something weird. So the story is that, like I said, my family's from Santa Ana, and, um, my, mi tia Araceli, who is um, my grandmother's sister, uh, married este, este, this guy named Alberto, who was now el tío de mi papá y mm -hmm. mi tío Mar, right? So, um, since he was like a, a doctor, he had a business going on in Usulután, like mm -hmm. that's where the people knew him, right? So he was planning to move out there. So... Um, this particular weekend, they told, um, I think it was the oldest ones. So it was always my dad and Miti Omar who would go to these trips that they would go with them because they were the oldest. So this time, I think it was, um, my Tio Omar's turn. And then, but then my dad didn't end up going for some reason. And it was, so it was my Tio Omar and my Tia Susi who went. So then, um, when... They went to um, La Laguna de Alegría in Usulután. Mm -hmm. So, if you know, 
if you want to look that up, it's basically this like little lake or lagoon in it's basically a crater. Mm-hmm. Like the crater is just like a huge like like the water that rose up from it, that's like the bottom of the crater right there. Right. But what they didn't know was that um around surrounding that crater and that laguna there was these unos pozos naturales que ten, like they had this venomous gas in there mm-hmm. and this there was one that my tío Alberto didn't see, and that was it was 13 feet deep down, oh. and he didn't see it, and he accidentally fell in there. So mind you, my tía Araceli was there with my tío Omar, my tía Susie, which are my dad's siblings, and then my tía Araceli's kids, um, Adriana and Jacobo, and Adriana was four, and I think Jacobo was like two. So you can imagine like when she saw that. And then mm-hmm. because my tío Omar had such res- much respect and a great relationship for him, he was like, I'm gonna go. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go and rescue him. And um, they both didn't make it. And in this article right here, um, you can see his picture. They're point, like they pointed at him, mm-hmm. like, and it says right there, you know, muere. And they put parentheses, Santa Ana, el estudiante del noveno grado del colegio San Jose. Whew. Omar Randolfo Figueroa, de 16 años, and um, falleció asfixiado al inhalar, inhalar? Inhalar. Gases venenosos de un pozo en alegría, Berlín, Uslután, cuando vio caer al doctor Alberto Antonio Aviles. El joven Omar quiso salvarlo. And like... Man, it was just so crazy seeing this, like, you know, like, just this pictures and, like, mm-hmm. articles, and it came out in three newspapers. It was, so it was the two main ones. It was um, La Prensa Gráfica y El Diario de Hoy, and then there was also, it came out in La, I think it was El Diario de Occidente, mm-hmm. which was um, specific, exclusive to Santa Ana and, yeah. like, the Occidental side of um Occidente is Occidental, right? Yeah, yeah so side of El Salvador. And, um, yeah, that's the story of um, of me, mi tío Omar. And, I mean, like, he was 16, you know, and for him to, like, um, try to risk his life to save somebody else's life, you know, that was huge. And, um... Yeah, so my I found those newspapers and um, I made copies and you know unfortunately I couldn't get an actual physical copy because if I went to the headquarters, they would only probably have one and I doubt they would sell it to me. Right. So, um, but I did my best and you know I I have it now. Um, And then I even went to El Colegio San Jose, which was um, really cool. It's in a new location now and now it's not all boys. I believe from a certain grade up, it's. it's co-ed, but um, I don't know. It was just uh, so surreal, and um, just seeing the streets like that my dad used to walk at, walk in, you know. And then I went to El Metro Centro. I went to El, fa- El the famous Ban Ban Bakery, mm-hmm. which is you know like a, a, a staple in Santa Ana. I went to El, El Estadio de del Faz, and I saw El Magico's like <laughs> <laughs> statue or whatever. Um, I even went to um, El Estadio Flor Blanca, I think, which is, or Flor, Flor Blanco, Flor Blanco. That's now called El Magico, like El Magico Gonzalez Stadium or whatever. Um, 
but that's in the capital. I mean, I saw a lot of things, but then um, my last day there, I um, my cousins had asked me, they're like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I have to go back to the cemetery. And um, and I did, so I, I, I bought flowers, I bought yellow roses, mm-hmm. because they were the colors of um, the, the school, like the school mm-hmm. uniform, so mm-hmm. green and yellow, and I was just like, you know, um, so I went back, and then um, that same day, I went. we went to El Metro Centro in Santa Ana, which is the mall over there. And um, there's, this, <laughs> there's this lady named um, Carolina, who's an old-time friend of my dad. Friend, as in... In quotes. Uh, ex-girlfriend, <laughs> um, which was very interesting, and she wanted to meet me. And, um, you know, I was open to the... <laughs> to the opportunity because I was like well maybe she has some information that she can give me about my dad or about my uncle and you know we did that and we you know she was very sweet and I I remember asking her you know I was just like what can you tell me about my 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 Theo Mar you know and um and she was like well you know your Theo Mar was just such a noble person you know, like, era bien centrado. Mm-hmm. Like, he just had, like, a different, like, mindset, you know? And, like, era buena onda, you know, just very respectful young man. And I go, y mi papa, I'm like, how do you know him, you know? And then she got a little shy, and she was just like, ah, well, she's like, you know, he was my boyfriend <laughs> when we were in high school or whatever. And um, and that's actually how she got to know my dad was through my tío Mar, because her best friend... Um, was my Theo Mar's girlfriend at the time. Mm. And then she told me, she's like, you know, she's like, your dad was also such a great person, you know, and like he, and I told her, I'm like, she's, I'm like, he still is, you know. Um, and um, I, she was telling me though, she was just like, you know, but she's like, when I think of your dad, I still have this strong, vivid memory of him at the, the candle lighting for your Tio Mar, he was literally hovering over the casket. And all I remember hearing him was just like, Por que me dejaste? Like, he's like, why did you leave? Mm-hmm. Like, why did you leave me? And she was like, because she's like, your tu papa y tu Tio Mar, like, they were just like this. Like, I'm crossing my fingers, but that's how tight they were, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, it's, it's just... Um, I don't know it's just it's crazy and um I I don't know how to explain to anybody how I feel but it was surreal it was also just so overwhelming but also great and everything and more than I expected and the truth is now I can't wait to go back Mm -hmm. and I think the best part of this trip for me was when I came back, my dad was like, he's, he told me, this, these were his exact words. He was like, you know, he's like, you know how when you told me that you felt it was your time to go back to El Salvador? And I was like, yeah. He goes, well, he's like, now I feel that. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's my time. Yeah. So we're hoping to be there next year in April hopefully, and that's going to be completely another experience within itself because now I'm going to experience it with him. Yeah. And I feel like that's going to be even more 
much more emotional. Yeah. Um, and I can't wait. Um, but the truth is, you know, like when I was there, I just saw so much beauty and everything. I've never felt more um, closer to my culture. Like I just felt like I could be myself finally because I'm literally in like Salvilandia, you know? <laughs> so, you know, you see the flag everywhere and I was just like, oh my God, like I don't get to see this back home, you know? And um, I was just like, I don't know. It was just so crazy. Like I felt like I was able to identify myself much more. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, if I can give anyone advice to those who haven't been in a very long time or haven't been at all, I would definitely say it's worth your while to go definitely have a plan set up because you know i'm, I'm very think grateful that i had my family out mm -hmm. there you know so they took care of me but um it's definitely worth going back like if you're in the position where you feel you've been deprived of your culture or you need to get back to your roots go visit the motherland you know like when you're ready and when it's your time you know but um yeah, I know. I know we have a few questions from. Well, well here's a question I, I did actually did want to ask you. Was just, um, I I think that uh, the situation in which you you found yourself where where you have you know, your father who, obviously left his homeland right and left, pain right. Mm -hmm. Well, he brought his pain with him, but he left because and he came with this void in his heart because. Right. You know, he lost, you know, his brother. His, 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 it's like almost his other self, right? Right. Um, and what tends to happen, especially with, like, you know, you know, for us, for a second generation, is that um, through privilege, right, and through, you know, being living in, you know, first, first world uh, comfort, it also gives us the space to, you know, to also think about, why we're here and everything in, in ways that for perhaps yeah. our, our parents never had to get the opportunity because they spent their whole lives just working right, right? right. And surviving so now we have this space to think about ourselves what it, what it means to be here how did we get here and it leads us in, invariably to the path towards wanting to figure out how to heal because obviously we're also carrying all these wounds you know these multi-generational wounds that we can carry in ourselves so in many ways we have with us for we have within us these tools to begin to create healing first for ourselves mm -hmm. but then to begin creating the space for our parents to yeah. heal right yeah so do you feel like for example you going over there is sort of laying the groundwork so that your father yeah. can can go as well yeah i think he f even feels that himself because all my life my dad has told me, he's like, I'm never going back to El Salvador. Mm -hmm. So that is why I haven't gone back. Um, and I only got the opportunity to go. I think I, I went twice. The first time I was two, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. And the last time I was four. And that was because my grandmother was sick. But I went with my mom, you know. And um, it was different, you know. And I have a much different, I have a much different relationship with my mother than I do with my father. I'm a lot closer to my dad. So, um... You know, I don't, it's, it's just, yeah, like, I feel like this trip has also helped my dad kind of, like, 
mend that mm -hmm. because it just it gives me hope and it makes me really happy for him to feel what I felt mm -hmm. when I was like yeah it's my time to go so for him to say that that's huge you know and like he's told like everyone in the family he's told my my tia Susie his sister like and my my tia Susie was like yeah no when your dad says something he's gonna do it you know and like she's like he's serious when he's saying he's going back so I hope you know when we do go together it will help him in with all that pain and you know um, trauma that happened during his youth you know and like I, I, I don't know I, I mean I really hope so but um, I think it's just another opportunity in life to experience something like that with my father yeah whether it's I don't I mean I can only imagine how hard it's going to be when we get to that point because I don't know how my dad's going to react mm -hmm. but um that will be until it'll be the next episode of when I went to El Salvador but um the other thing I wanted to ask you was so how do you feel different now here oh man I don't know how to explain this because I do feel like a complete different person and not completely different because I'm still me but I feel much more at peace with myself with my culture mm -hmm. um, with my background with you know with family and just who I am as a person I think it was with you that we talked about this but like I felt this sense of freedom when I was over there. And um, now that I'm here, I try bringing that back to me and then practice it in my life. Mm. And it's, I don't know, I've never felt more sure of myself in a way. And I feel like now I can, I can be unapologetically Salvadorian. Mm -hmm. I, I, like that's probably the best way I can, I can explain this to you. But, um, I don't know, I, I, I just, I just feel grateful to have had the experience I did when I was over there, um, because it was an amazing experience. Um, yeah, I don't know how to put it in words. Sure. I can just tell you that I just feel content, um, with my background, with my culture, with what El Salvador is like and just in general my community and I think if anything it may like I said it just goes back to me wanting to continue pushing this platform even further mm -hmm. and I hope it's the same for other Central Americans as well you know because it's like we have so much to offer like you know and we're getting there like I can see it like baby steps we're getting there but there's still a lot of work to do but um, yeah I being here though I, I do feel like a part of me is over there still like or I left a, like part of my heart over there mm -hmm. but um, I do hope to go back more often and um, I think if anything it makes me want to push my culture even more in the future with if I have kids um, I'm not thinking about that right now, but, like, <laughs> you know, um, if I do have 
a family, I would want them to experience it as well, you know, because um, that's my biggest fear is losing my culture. I don't ever want to lose it, you know, and like I'm still learning a lot of it. Like I barely tried La, la Cebada. Really? Yeah, when I was over there. That was my, like, I wow. it was my first time trying that. Yeah. How'd you like it? It was so freaking good. Isn't it delicious? And eat, ah. Okay, okay, here's a question. Like, so, so what, what new things did you learn, try that you just are, are unavailable here, and, and even in LA? Ooh, definitely los elotes locos. <laughs> like, that, like. Can you describe what, what? Well, okay, los elotes locos like over there in like El Salvador are different because of like la salsa que le ponen. Like, so I think it's like mayo, ketchup, and la salsa negra que le ponen, y el queso. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's just different. It's just, like, completely different to, like, the lotes you get here in right. L.A. Like, they're just the standard ones. <laughs> they're still good. Whatever. Also, um, probé nuegados de yuca oh. con chilate. Mm. Oh, my God, man. Oh, I remember those. Oh, and they were freshly made. Yeah. So they were so crispy on the outside, but so, like fluffy and soft on the inside and like con la miel and it was oh my god it was just amazing so in terms of what isn't available to us here in LA would be in a sense a bit of the authenticity of what the country has to offer like sure you can go to restaurants here and like they can they can replicate what like the food but it's still not the same mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so like one other thing is like las quesadillas mm -hmm. el porque el queso allá que usan you know like it's the cheese from the motherland you know so it's not like like they can i've tried quesadillas from like so many different types of bakeries here um and they're just not the same from what I tried over there. You know why? Because I recently learned this actually through through our mutual friend, uh, Carla Vasquez, who runs Salvi Soul Plug. There's the plug, yes, Salvi Soul. <laughs> Watch Soul. out for the cookbook. It's coming out. Um, but um, that most um, places here in L.A., most panaderias, salvadoreñas, uh, they use Parmesan cheese. Yeah. In the, in the quesadilla, right? So it's like, you're not, so actually not supposed to use that. You're supposed to use, like, yeah. you know, just or something else, right? I know other, like, I know Porto's Bakery. I know it's a Cuban-owned bakery, but from what my dad told me, it was, like, back in the day, they just had Salvadorian bakers. So I guess that kind of makes sense. But the sense, la, la quesadillas that they use there, they actually cook it with cream cheese. Mm. So it's a little different but anyways the best one i tried was the quesadillas from el paraiso chalatenango oh my god i don't know what it was it was just perfect it was like soft i hate using this word but it was moist that's pretty moist yeah. and the cheese was just all there like that flavor and like con cafe oh my god and the coffee I can't stress how great the coffee is over there because it's so rich in flavor. Like, I didn't even use, like, crema. Like, or they were just like, oh, do you want creamer? And I was like, no, I'm just going to take it black with sugar. Like, that's all I need. Um, and, yeah, you know, just other things, too, is just, like, la naturaleza, like, the, the nature. And then, like, the animals around. Like, I, I saw my first torogos, and it was right outside my tia's house. And, like, I took a video of it, and it was the only torogos I saw. It was, like, at... I had woken up at 5 in the morning to see it. And, um, you know, the fruits, like, are so 
much different and better. Like I got hooked on maracuya. Is it maracuya? Maracuya. 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 And like I would just like all I drink now and I look for here is fresco de maracuya. Yeah. Because I'm obsessed. Like if you're on my tw- like if you guys follow me on Twitter, that's all I'm talking about. I'm like shout out to like so and so for having it. You know, like that's literally all I look for. Like I've been hooked. It's so good and it's just everything I even had. My DM would make like frescos like naturales, naturales every day. So she made fresco de marañón mm-hmm. and like oh my gosh, fresco de tamarindo like everything you know like it's just amazing little guineos oh my gosh they're the best bananas i've ever had in my life and just man i love el salvador (laughs) like that's all i have to say (laughs) like that's seriously all i have to say because i just fell in love with the country and the people i love my people so much i love how humble they are and how full of life they are regardless of the circumstances over there yeah they're just i i don't know we're just one of a kind i I can definitely say that you know as a as a salvadorian myself um yeah i i just man that's all i have to say is i love it (laughs) but i'm also very blessed and in many ways to be here and to be from here because you can also see the reality over there. Even people who are doing better off, like, you know, you see the reality of the country. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, did you have any more questions or should we jump into um, the questions that some of the listeners had? I guess we can jump into um, some questions some listeners or followers had. All right, uh, let's see. Um... Trying to be, what you didn't uh, already answer. Did you have any mango twist? What were your favorite uh, fruit snacks? Okay, so mango mango twist is mango what twist. they call it in San Salvador. So my cousins were capping on me because I've always known them as mango cumbia, because that's what my dad calls them. What are they? Mango cumbia. So it's el mango verde, and it's shredded. Oh, then, okay. Okay, so from what I understand, they're like, you can pronounce it alwaste, 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 alwaste. There's like no actual. You get the point, you know? Yeah, so that's what mango twist is. So it's el mango verde and it's shredded in like this little, little, sorry, my accent comes out sometimes. Yeah, okay. Little pieces and es con el alwaste. Con limón, creo, mm-hmm. y con la salsa negra. I uh, don't remember what it is. I'm like. not sure. It's la salsa negra, bo, la que tienen, that they eat over there a lot. I, Dude, I haven't been in like in 20 years. So I, I know. I, so I forgot a lot of this shit, okay? So well, we're equally just, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, no, I unfortunately, I didn't. Actually, well, I tried the mangoñada, which is basically the same thing, just in the form of it being a minuta, kind yeah. of but with the mango twist in it yeah. and all the flavors. So, uh, yeah, it's great. It's 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 amazing. I love mango. I guess it, it, another question that somebody had, um, but also add this uh, tagline. So it's about the question of safety, but also as a woman, how, how safe did you feel walking around? Again, I was with family and they they have a car. So they mm. were driving me around. Um, and thankfully, because of them, I did feel safe. Um, again, I don't know what 
life is like in other towns and other departamentos, but in San Salvador, it's definitely different. Um, no, I, I felt safe. And I think it's mainly because of the security of my family and because they knew where they were taking me, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, and I did even pass by through Soyapango, which supposedly, like, is one of the most crime, like, biggest crime cities over there or whatever. And, yeah. like, and even, like, back in my dad's time. So, can you can imagine now? Yeah. Like, no no offense to anyone who's from there. But that that's what I've heard, you know? But I still didn't feel, like, anything. I didn't even see one marero. I will tell you that. I did not see one gang member. Well, because they don't really look like how you're, you're thinking you're... It's like, exactly, and that's what I was told. Because they were just like, they're dressed up differently now. And I was just like, oh, me all right. But in my defense or my personal experience, I did not see one. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> uh, another question, let's see. Um, did you go to a fast game? Because I know you're a big fan of fast food. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I grew up with El Fidipo, okay? Oh, so. you're with Fidipo, all right. I'm okay. the capital, all right, so. Anyways, uh, no, unfortunately, I was there two weeks prior to season starting, so I did not get to see a game. Um, I did go to the stadium, though, which was pretty cool. I took a picture of it. Like I said, I saw the. I took a picture of the Mahiko Gonzalez. The shrine. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty cool. Um. In the uh, let's see, like one question here. What surprised you the most? Just um. How much. The country itself has to offer. Because of all the bad stuff you hear, your natural thoughts are going to lead like, oh, this country has nothing to offer. And it's the complete opposite. Um, I was really surprised about that. Like, I was just like, wow, like, the motherland is beautiful. Like, no doubt about it. Um, but also just how it, it's, it's changing. I can see it. Um, I can't ex completely explain it how, but um, I can only hope it's getting for the it's getting there for the better. But it what surprised me the most for me personally on a personal note was just how well I was able to fit in. Mm. That's what, that was my biggest shock. Because, like, I was, like, scared that they were going to cap on me. Like, they were going to be like, ah, no, esta niña no es salodreña, you know? Mm -hmm. But, no, like, even my cousin Kike was like, how do you know all our sayings, you know? Like, all the, like, all the phrases. And I'm like, well, porque mi tata bien salvatrucha, you know? Like, yeah. bien guanaco, you know? So, um, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Like, growing up with, the, with parents who are unapologetically Salvadorian because they've taught me to be that way yeah like I, i've never assimilated by the way but anyways i think that's a big that was a big shock for me because i was like you know because you're born here and you're just kind of it's a different it's so different from being like born over there but um i think that was a big shock or surprise to me was being able to fit in well so i'm touching a little bit on one something you said um just a little while ago about how being over there contradicted that whatever impression had been boiling your head about what it was like to be over there right so um 
being over there, so did it reinforce your sense? Did it, did it solidify more for you what 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 you feel about being Salvadoran here in the U.S.? Like, does it how much does that does this change that? How does it how does it change your relationship then to the community here? Is there a community here that you can relate to, as opposed to how it feels over there? See, that's the what I'm still trying to wrap my head around here because I still haven't completely gotten around to that because uh -huh. I just went to the El Dia El Salvadoreño uh -huh. and um, and I still felt like how I felt as a kid like I was just like okay my people are here but it's still not the same mm -hmm. right like is that, that, is that how you feel too well I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you're touching on something that I think is very important to talk about here yeah. right so what is that difference I don't know if it's if we're going the same direction or if we're going to go to this. And I think it's just the fact for me personally, I don't know. You can call me out. You can stop me because, but this is my personal experience. And I think it's because when I, like, again, when I was over there, I've never felt more myself. Like I was like, I can identify myself. I can talk the way I talk. No one's going to judge me because they're going to get me, yeah. you know? So when you're in literally El Salvador, Salvilandia, you're you. You're unapologetically you. Mm -hmm. And people get it. You know, so when you're from a country, like, I think that was what it was. Like, so when you're here in L.A. and it's like, quote unquote, a melting pot of people. But then the bigger majority of Latinx here is Mexican community. And we know that. And yet... We're technically second up, I would say we're second up there with Guatemalans, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just still that, that battle of trying to identify ourselves here and be unapologetically ourselves because I feel we're, we've almost been deprived and not allowed to be ourselves. Mm. And I think another part of it is because you know, I can't speak for everyone. I can only speak for myself. But unfortunately, in a lot of these events, they focus on, I don't want to say negative things, but you see a lot of the stuff that you don't, you wouldn't see a community rising up to. You get me? Like, can you give an example? I, I just feel like we can be up there with everyone else. And, you know, we're, I feel like we're still put or settling for a specific, like, of course, where you go to El, El Día El Salvadoreño or if not, like, Fiestas Agostinas, La Feria, it's going to be in MacArthur Park, yeah. Pico Union, you know? And it's like, why can't it be like, you know, like, just for example, like, um, like Sin, who created the Salvis Who Lunch event, Chevere. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, it was out in Hollywood, you know, and it's like, the center was, it's I was at the LGBT center and it was a great event, you know? Shout out to... Sin, Salvi's Who Lunch, um, you know, and like seeing event spaces like that, that we deserve to be in, you know, like it shouldn't just be a specific picture. You get me? I don't know if I'm, I'm, if I'm answering you, but you can go ahead and like chime in to what you were getting well, at. Well, I guess I'm trying to like discern kind of like what you're trying to say here. Well, okay, but part one. So in other words, what you said, what you said earlier, do you feel like we spend so much time here trying to perform a, a, an identity, right? 
performing identities because we feel so much of an onslaught from all this, these different things and how we you might possibly feel like we're, you know we're being shortchanged from having space and having versus we're over there where you said you can just be you without having to worry about that yeah. so it's like performance versus just being over Correct. there that's the so that's the one question I have for you yes I, I think it's because we've been so deprived here yeah. and because a lot of us have had to assimilate yeah who we are and hide it almost, you know, and and I think answering going back to your old question of how I feel different now that I'm here and I think it's now I'm just I'm just me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, look, I'm just I'm I'm really loud. <laughs> I'm just unapologetically Salvadorian and I'm just me. And like now I feel more, like I said, reassured of who I am with my background. Like I said, I'm still learning more, but now for me it's not so much of an act of like always like I mean, I'm always going to remind people I'm Salvadorian. Like, you're never not going to catch me, like... Because I I'm, I have to remind people. Yeah. And because, like I said, because we're still working at getting the right representation, you know? But, um... Yeah, I don't know. And, like, it's just a different world out there than it is here. And I don't know if people, like, over in the DMV area... Because I hear, like, over in the DMV area, like, it's like you're totally Salvadorian and it's cool because that's like the, the norm yeah you know so for example we, uh, so you were mentioning for example like uh, El Dia Salvadoreño that had um, was it at MacArthur Park this year or so the Feria Agostinas was okay. in MacArthur Park and like El Dia del Salvadoreño was off of it was right by I think it's at Loyola High School around there okay Normandy and Vermont off of Normandy and Vermont so you were talking about differences in terms of like how it feels in that space versus how it felt at the Chevere event this past mm-hmm. Sunday. So how can you identify what is that difference and what is it that does not sit well with you in the first space versus the second space? I think it's because it's generational. I don't know if I'm using the right word. Mm-hmm. It, it might be because now the newer generation, like, we're offering different things. as like So with my platform specifically, and, like, I want to be give a big thank you to Carla who gave me this feedback where she was just like you know I when you started this off like you brought this level of authenticity and almost this nostalgic kind of retro vibes to no jodas Mm -hmm. and I'm like yeah like that was my whole purpose of it is to remain completely Salvadorian and what we're used to but still be fresh and new because I am of this generation you know like like I sure I grew up with all my dad's like music from the 70s and I know everything I know is about El Salvador during the 70s you know but then also it's like I just came back from this trip and I experienced a whole different world from the stories I've been told and also experiencing growing up in LA as a Salvadorian kid it's just, you know, and, like, I'm trying to mesh all of those together, mm-hmm. and it's just, I don't, I, to answer your question, it's just, I think with the events that we're so used to, rem- they remain with that same concept of it just being this, and we, like, it's almost as if it's not going further, or they're not, I don't want to say, well, I guess in a way progressing to where we see we see ourselves. So as opposed to the new generation when, like, this event at Chevere, it's, like, it's younger people or at least and younger than, like, the people you would see at, like, 
the like the event El Día El Salvadoreño, and I'm not bashing on those events. It's just you see those these new ideas and these new things that we wanted to see growing up. Like I wanted to see like art like yours, like political art like that, or just like or even as simple as like the dictionary, or, like the word of the day. You know, like I was just like because like I got corrected once, and they were like, it's not cincho, it's cinto. Yeah. You know, like things like that. You know, like things like I wish we could have had, and now they're being presented. We're presenting it. Well, I'm saying we're presenting it because I'm still like getting used to the fact that I have my own platform. Mm -hmm. But you know, you see people like Sin who created Salvi's Lunch. We see people like Carla who's creating a Salvadorian cookbook, mm -hmm. and we see other organizers and people actually doing like actual work and taking it back home to the motherland, yeah. you know, and like, we see artists, we see like, you know, like Brina, you know, and it's like, it's like, man, it's been long overdue. So I wish the the concept of like, Dia Salvadoreño and like, the new like events can kind of come together and make it bigger, you know, and then I remember someone had commented, like, oh, it's kind of sad to see how, um, I think it was like how El Dia Salvadoreño and La Feria Agustinas were in two different locations. And they were like, it's kind of sad to not see our people come together. And I'm like, I think the point is to have more than one event. Because if we just stick, you know, if we just stick to one, that's all we're going to have, you know? But then again, I, I don't know. That's just me. I think part of, like, um, it is a generational thing, obviously, because I think, um, I don't know how much time we have here, but... Uh, I think we're going into, like, an hour and a half. <laughs> It's totally cool, though. They'll You're listen. probably going to have to split the, the thing in half. In ha probably. Too. So, um, because actually we're kind of going to the whole other part of the conversation. That's fine. Just We'll keep recording. I'll um, do a part two. But the thing is, like, I guess from how I... Uh, just for the listeners, how old are you, uh, Gloria? Are you, unless you don't want to talk. No, 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 no. I'm like, I'm 23. 23. Okay. The reason I'm asking your age is because, like... I'm 41, right? So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, I don't look it. Okay, thank you very much. It's those goddamn Salvi jeans, all right? Yes. Jesus it's Christ. All right? the pupusas. Right? It's all, it's like, it's all the oil. It seeps into your skin, and it keeps it nice and supple, it's, right? Yes. But, like, um, so I grew up, like, in, in the 80s, right? And so I fit within, this is the thing about my own platform, too, that I realize is that I, I am wedged between... The older generation, like of, mm -hmm. of, of folks who arrived here in the seventies and the eighties, because I grew up in the eighties, in between that, but also then your generation, right, mm -hmm. who are kind of wanting to see, kind of bring the synthesis of, of what of the old, right, from what's what your parents kind of grew up with, and synthesizes it with what's here, right, and to kind of push those boundaries to create new places, new spaces, new ideas, right, and. I get what you what you tell me about like for example the, the Las Ferias and all these that they never quite call to me necessarily because part of it is I think that we kind of have to recognize that you know for, that a lot of this has to do with the fact we grew up with American you know American culture very much ingrained within us right right so we you know, we grew up with watching cartoons and you know just doing all that so that's part of it and it's recognizing that that's percolating in there but it's also the fact that um i think that it's that it's a lot of it has to do with that this 
sort of, I'm going to call it a false sense of community, right? Because, I mean, and I say that because I think that so much, so many of our people came over here as, you know, left the war for, or left economic disparity for all these reasons they came over here, right? And they coalesced as a community, but as a community, we never healed, right? So we try to hold on to these remnants of old stuff. Yes. Without necessarily moving forward, like you were talking about earlier. It's, 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 it's being static. Yes. Right? And being stuck in nostalgia, mm-hmm. and it's and, and it's a false nostalgia because the thing about nostalgia is not necessarily real. It's like it's this constructed memory and reality yeah, that's not true, sure. right? And the thing about newer, younger folks is that you want to know about what the hell happened to our parents and yes. our grandparents. Our parents don't necessarily they just like they left it behind. They don't want to deal with it. Let yeah. me just work. Let me just like beat my ass and cre- create this home and feed you and everything. But don't ask me about the past, all right? Because yeah. we left it behind, right? Yeah. And it's like when you go to these ferias, it's like it's that. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's that, right? It's yeah. like it's like let me let me celebrate what I remember it used to be like, but let's not deal with the things that are keeping us as a community from moving mm-hmm. forward and advancing and being able to speak up for ourselves. Because look, this is the thing though. I I mean, I know we talk about, especially on, on my platform, we talk about how difficult it is to get, you know, as Latinos to kind of work together towards, for even for example, like getting, you know, Mexican folks to join us as allies, you know, in, as, you know, work trying to defend our people, right? But let's also be real here. How difficult is it to it's really difficult to get our own people to care about our own people, yeah, right? You know, that's been a problem that a lot of people in our community stress that Salvadorians ourselves, if we don't stick together, it's like well, you get. I mean, and this is like I think that we came over here and we sought all these avenues of professional professionalization, whether it was academia, whether it was going buying your own, creating your own business, or going into politics or whatever. But like that sense of community that we had that. You know, yes, it's, there's a lot of divisions in Salvador still and everything politically in a lot of different ways, right? But, and you also have to question, you know, how much, you were only there for two weeks, right? But mm-hmm. if you were there for a whole year, you know, your sense of, of, of reality, your sense of, uh, your sense of euphoria that you feel over there might also change, right? Right. But, like, there is something palpably different up over there, mm-hmm. right? And it has a lot to do with the fact that you are amongst people who look like you, talk like you sound a lot like you, right? Yeah. You know, whereas here, like we mentioned earlier, we're, we're kind of fighting for crumbs. And, um, but again, it's like, because we're, we're just trying to just, you know, fight for ourselves here. And we have a community that is just emotionally and traumatically just stunted. Mm-hmm. We have not really moved forward, right? And these I are- agree. We're not we're not asking the really important questions like right like and it doesn't help obviously that the, the current political climate is just causing us to just go back into our corner and just you know go back into the survival mode because mm-hmm. in the survival mode we never we never really fix anything right so I think this is why your trip is really important because it's like it's really up to us to create the conditions yeah so that our parents or grandparents stories start coming out mm-hmm. and we finally learn the whole story of how we got here, why we're here. Yeah. And, I mean, if not at least create healing for our parents, but create healing for the community as a whole for the next generation, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, sorry, I, I kind of, like, babbled on here. But I think this is part of the reason why it's, it's, it's a, lot of, a lot of these events that you mentioned, like, 
are kind of difficult and I, I'm glad to see like you know younger folks kind of pushing it and trying to create something different n- something different something new yeah and we'll learn from those mistakes right and of course. and see what works and what doesn't work um so yeah that's kind of what I have to say about that I'm no I, I'm totally with you on that because that's how I've always felt you know growing up and going to those like festivals and I would always just be like okay but it's like the same thing every year you know and it's always like the same type of people that go and it's just like you know oh I'm sorry I just because I've been to them and it's like the thing that that, that, that crosses my mind is how much of this is really serving to keep us embobados pasmados right (laughs) because I'm thinking all these hundreds thousands of people in, in Salvadorians in this space Imagine we're organizing here, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, holy shit! Can you imagine all these folks all of a sudden marching down the street, deciding, "Hey, let's leave this festival, let's march the street, and, and you know, and fight for like the rights of our people," right? Yeah. But that's not the point of these 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 things. The point of these things, yeah, is to kind of keep us tied to, you know, loving our oh yes, to celebrate our culture, but then let's not fight for our culture, right? And that's the thing that, that it's like yeah. that's the the angle that's always missing is we come from a gen we come from people who fight all right this is something we forget we're pacified here they gave us they gave us privileges you know a few privileges or whatever a few of us are in, are, are are in academia hurrah and everything right but we forgot that in our essence we fight we've always fought we never stopped fighting right yeah. and struggling for our, for our people and I think that's kind of the spirit that we've forgotten or it's been for it's been forced to uh, we've been forced to forget that right I agree so I completely agree but I think there's like a handful of people that I see in our generation or at least the people we network with Mm -hmm. that are getting that or get it yeah you know as opposed to (laughs) I'm not gonna get into this never mind I'm not gonna put (laughs) more (laughs) um but I totally feel you on that because that's always been a big question that I've asked growing up. I'm like, why are we not fighting for the rights of our people? Why are we not collectively organizing better events for our people when there's so like there's such a high demand for them? Yeah. You know, and I think we're getting there. Yeah. I think we are. <laughs> At least I'm hoping. You know, and. Um, well, I mean, uh, one thing I do want to say though is that. That stuff did happen though, and it's like I think it, it, the generation of the '80s did, did do a lot of that fighting, mm-hmm. and they, they they created a lot of the groundwork yeah. for that. Um, but there was obviously this for all that work that happened. I think the decade of the '90s kind of just folks just just sort of settled in, right? And yeah, um, because I mean, I think I, I say sometimes like uh, younger folks asking why isn't this available for us but actually a lot of the stuff was i mean for example like periodicals or or, or things you know like for example la Chata zine that's you know that's really popular right yeah. now there's stuff that happened like that previously another right? plug by the way oh yeah bye folks from Chata, you're great like stuff like that has happened before right yeah. but, it's, but it's just not necessarily available via like you know social media or whatever yeah right? so definitely every generation creates its own little spaces and its own forms of struggle and what happens is as we get older we tend to kind of like become more compliant more complacent yeah and i'm getting there but <laughs> but i mean but the thing is what uh, i am seeing that's different though in this newer generation is that is that y'all are talking about subjects that i could not even imagine talking about 
a decade ago, right? Whether yeah. it was Mexican hegemony, whether it was, you know, discussing Afro-descendants, you know, among, yeah. among our people, discussing the, you know, indigeneity, all these different things, right, that a decade ago weren't necessarily part of the, our mainstream narrative are mm-hmm. becoming that. And, yeah. and, and I'm loving seeing that. Yeah, we're getting somewhere. Finally, I think we're breaking those, maybe those barriers that have been deeply just in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had a, you know what, speaking about that, I had a question from um, from Zyda. Here's another plug, by the way. Follow Central American Beauty. She's Art and Beauty. Art and Beauty, excuse me. Um, she brings forward great content of... Um, Central American culture. Hi, Saida. <laughs> we love you. Um, and sh- her question was, from mere observation, did you see a lot of Afro-des- Af- Afro-descendant people uh, while I was over there? And, um, yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> I-, I don't know. I-, I can't claim this, but I guess a little known or a little fact about my family is my... Well, okay. My great great-grandfather was Afro-Puerto Rican and he um, went to Panama to work on the Panama Canal Mm -hmm. and then moved to El Salvador and so my great-grandfather who's the husband of my great-grandmother Mama Chanita is half Afro-Puerto Rican half um, indigenous of and from El Salvador so um, it's there I see it I see it everywhere like uh, and a lot of us you know like it's there's no denying it. So yeah, from mere observation, absolutely, I can definitely tell you that um, I did see that. So um, I hope I answered that in a in a good way. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's I, I totally agree. There's a lot of subjects that we should be talking about. And um, however, on my end, I'm still learning. Yeah. So I can't really be that. Person and I hope a lot of people don't expect a lot from me in that sense because, as I said, I'm learning as I'm going. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, hey, if you have some stuff to talk about, then come on the show. Like, just email me. You know, like I just I love talking. That's why I created this platform. So, if you know, if you got facts and stuff you want to talk about, share them. Come on the show. I would love to <laughs> talk about it with you guys. Um, yeah. Was were there any more questions? Well, the thing is, of all those questions that you There's were, a lot, yeah. You, you, we're already, like, maybe two hours into this, but you guys are... So when I want that, like... But you already covered most of the stuff in your in what you said already. Okay, then, well... That's why. Um, let me see. Um, I hope I answered everyone. But, um... Yeah. What was your favorite memory you made during your trip to the motherland? I think my favorite memory was, um... I took a picture, I reenacted this picture of, um, in front of El Carmen, how my dad took it back in, I think this was 1979 or 1980. And, um, and it's funny because when, uh, when I took that picture, like, I didn't know that El Carmen was literally right in front of, um, my dad's friend's house. So, and his family still lives there. So when I took that picture, like, they came out, and I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, my God. So I, it, it was just, like, a really fun memory for me to think about that because then I think about, I'm like, my dad was literally in this exact spot taking this picture with his friends, and his family is yeah. still living there. So that was a really fun memory for me. 
Um, and I got to share that picture with my dad and Ooh. yeah. And then he told me, he's like, when we go back, he's like, we'll do it together now. Um, oh, so that was, cute. you know, yeah. Um, I think that's, oh, someone asked if I went to El Salvador del Mundo. I only passed by it. Um, cause it is in the capital. Yeah. So, um, as I was, cause I would go with my cousin, uh, cause he's a, He's an opera singer and he's also a music teacher at one of the universities out there. It's a, I think it's a private university. Uh, oh, fun fact, actually, um, this private university, I won't say the name, um, just out of um, privacy. Okay. But um, I don't know if this will give it away, but um, the artist Sonia Lazo, she actually studied there and oh. graduated from there. So I actually saw one of her paintings of hand and that was really cool. So... Um, yeah, so while I was, when I would drive with my cousin to go to the university, I would pass by El Salvador del Mundo. So, um, didn't get to stop by, but um, I did see it. What I did stop by at was there's this little park dedicated to the story of the little prince. Oh. Because, uh, what is it the, behind it that the story of the rose was, it was, I think, dedicated, it was like um, the character was based off a... Um, a woman that the the author knew who was Salvadoran or something like that. His wife. Yes. Is that what it was? Yes. Uh, there we go. Fun uh, fact. Uh, Consuelo Sunsin. Yes. There we go. And so. I know this because uh, supposedly my grandmother was her cousin. Oh wow! Hey. So. Fun fact. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's pretty much kind of the essence of it all of this trip. A lot of. Processing, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm still processing it. Yeah. Even right now as we're recording, because there's a lot of things I still don't know how to answer. Yeah. But um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you um, for coming on and, uh, you know, having this conversation with me. It's nice, because I was going to do this by myself. <laughs> But it's nice to or share. Or you thinking me. I'm sorry. They were yeah, thinking, no. I thought you were thanking them. Like, oh, that's cool. You're thanking the audience for... Well, them too, of course. No, I did in the beginning. I'm like, thanks. I, you know, I really did hope you guys enjoyed it. And <laughs> if it's not what you expected, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this was my experience. And it was one I will never forget. But, um, yeah, thanks again, though. Thank you for inviting me. Um, yeah, yeah, it's great to have you again um, on another episode. I hope you guys enjoyed some like little facts here and there that we <laughs> threw. But um, yeah, I I don't know. I'll leave it up to the next time I'm in El Salvador um, to update you guys um, on anything else. And yeah, hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs>